You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network. Serving you up quick hitting news and analysis for Green Bay Packers fans. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is JJ Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Now, we had a nail-biter of a game. Ended 24-16 at home against the Carolina Panthers, but the Packers did prevail. We have a couple thoughts on that game, and we are looking ahead to the Tennessee Titans. But first, we just want to say it's holiday week. Wishing everybody who is going to be leaving safe travels, and hope that you're able to spend some time safely with your loved ones. I want to say Merry Christmas. And Happy Hanukkah. And to everybody else who celebrates everything else, happy holidays to everybody. Gil, what did you think about this Panthers game specifically? Let's start talking about the defense. The defense played pretty well, all things considered. They got some pressure when it mattered. Uh, and, of course, the turning point of the game was made by the defense. And, uh, you know, that was the turnover at the one-yard line. Chris Barnes knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hands and, Kevin King scooping it up, and instead of a 14-10 game, the Packers were up 21-3, and they were able to hold on and and earn the victory. Yeah, our defense has been much maligned by fans, and we want to raise some awareness that although the defense got off to a very slow start in 2020, the narrative that we have a terrible defense and an elite offense is no longer true. Um, Our defense has been improving steadily. If you can believe it, the Packers actually have the number 11 run defense in the NFL. So almost a top 10 run defense. Now you can bet with Derrick Henry coming to town, those numbers are going to slide a bit because everybody who plays against Derrick Henry looks foolish. But um, we're, we're actually feeling pretty excited about this game. I'm feeling optimistic. Gil, I did not ask you before we started recording what your prediction is, but I actually feel pretty confident this is going to be a Packers win. Well, I'm glad you're that confident. I am a little less confident than you, unfortunately. Uh, I would love to see this team respond. This is a, a potentially... I mean, they can afford to lose this game, but this game could also put them in the driver's seat in a lot of ways. They could even clinch the bye this week if the Packers win and the Seahawks lose. Uh, But to me, more importantly, this is a statement game. Uh, You know, the criticism of the Packers defense has always been can't stop the run, can't stop the run. Well, you contain, I'm not going to say stop, but you contain Derrick Henry. You could put a lot of those criticisms to rest. So and then beating a top-quality opponent from the AFC. Uh, to me, it, it would make a statement for this Packers team that they can handle a top-quality opponent and and beat them, and I think it would be a great confidence booster heading into the playoffs. Couldn't agree more. Speaking of confidence, one thing that I liked about the performance in the Panthers game, when we saw the offense have a bad day, the defense stepped up and won the game for them. And that is what champion teams do. 
Yeah, and they did that very well. This past week, the offense sputtered in the second half after taking the 21-3 lead, scoring three touchdowns on their first three drives. But the defense was able to hold on and do its job. And at the end of the day, the Packers emerged with the all-important W, and they're in the driver's seat right now. One of the changes that we saw this week from the Packers defensively that I'm hoping to see carry over Matt LaFleur moved Christian Kirksey over to be the Will linebacker and made Chris Barnes the Mike. Now, Chris Barnes started off the season really hot. Since then, he has pretty steadily uh, regressed in terms of stats and in terms of his uh, PFF grade. But he, one of the things that he does really well is he is a good captain of the defense, similar to the role that Blake Martinez filled. And Matt LaFleur singled him out and said that this is something that they noticed back in the preseason that really impressed them. One of the reasons that he started getting playing time right away, especially with Kamal Martin being out. Kamal Martin is a linebacker who every time he takes the field, he impresses. However, he has still been, I think, hindered a bit by how much time he had to miss because of his injury. And as such, I think right now your best two starting linebackers are still Barnes and Kirksey. I think Martin, although he is a, especially in the run game, he is, um, man, and especially against gap runs. Mm -hmm. um, Excellent, excellent at defending gap runs. He's very decisive, loves to to shoot through a hole. And, uh, you know, we saw... Last week against Mike Davis, there were a couple times when there was a little hole open. Kamal did not hesitate for a millisecond, just shot through there and buried Mike Davis. A very, very promising young player. And I also think right now, just due to some inexperience, due to some decision making, he, to me, is a little bit more of a 2021 starter. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think he can still play a role this year. But uh, the problem to me has been the poor play of Christian Kirksey when he's been out there. And out of all the free agents that the Packers signed, he has been the most disappointing this year. Massively disappointing. Well, we have a little bit of injury news that uh, we got some good news and bad news. We're going to look at Corey Lindsley first. He has been designated by the Packers to return from injured reserve. He should be eligible to play this week uh, against Tennessee. That would be really awesome to have him back. He has been practicing with a brace on his left knee. Um, not really sure how I feel about putting him in the game if he still has to wear a brace in practice, but there's no question. Last week after Lucas Patrick was sort of an open door on the offensive line. It would be nice to be able to put Elton Jenkins back at left guard and get Corey Lindsley in at center so that you can afford to take Lucas Patrick out of there and have your best five on the field. That would be ideal. And I would love to see it. Obviously to me, the more important thing though, is to have Corey Lindsley available for the playoffs. And the key to putting him out there this Sunday is, you know, they may have him wear that leg brace to prevent further injury. You don't want to lose him for the playoffs. I, I can deal with him not being available against Tennessee, maybe save him for the Bears game if that game still means something. But at the end of the day, uh, I need Corey Lindsley for the playoffs. 
So more bad news. Jamal Williams has not been practicing yet as of Wednesday. A little bit concerning here. We might see a guy like uh, Patrick Taylor, a, a running back that most fans probably are not familiar with. He was not super active in the preseason, and then he got hurt, put on IR, just returned to practice like last week. But he's he's a talented running back who went undrafted largely in part due to uh, getting hurt his senior year. So this is a guy who we might see elevated for the practice squad because I believe Dexter Williams has already used up both of his uh, elevations. Or you're looking at maybe Mike Weber. Of course, Tyler Irvin is out for the year. So if Jamal Williams can't play and you're heading into the game with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who are both very competent backs, you still want a little bit of injury depth. I would not be surprised to see a guy like Patrick Taylor get elevated. Uh, Will Redmond not practicing. Jay Sternberger still in concussion protocol. I think this is his at least his third week where he has not been able to practice. Chris Barnes, who we were just talking about a minute ago, looks like he's going to be okay. He exited the game early with an eye injury. Sounds like that is a okay. So we're going to look ahead to the Tennessee Titans. Gil, we have some good news and some bad news for Packers fans. We're going to start with the good news, and that is the Titans defense, because the bad news is the Titans offense. (laughs) (laughs) The failures on the Titans defensive part largely hinges on their inside linebacker play. They got one inside linebacker who I feel is really, really good. That would be Will Compton, a very smart veteran. However, he's not been playing very much this year. I don't know if he's been dealing with injury. seems like he's missed quite a bit of time. When you're looking at the play, though, very cerebral player. David Long and Rashawn Evans, number 51 and 54. These two guys are a massive liability to the Titans. Play defense a little bit odd. Part of it, I think, stems from the fact that the Titans don't actually have a defensive coordinator. Head coach Mike Rabel is calling the defense because he asks the defensive line to rush the quarterback nearly constantly and asks the linebackers to come forward and really dominate their run defense in kind of a bizarre decision. He's having the corners come up and he's leaning on them to be the ones setting the edge that all would work fine, except that you're getting such mediocre play out of these inside linebackers that the whole thing kind of falls apart. They have to devote so much resources to stopping the run that this leaves them extremely susceptible to play action because you have Hardly anybody actually defending the pass because all the corners are busy trying to stop the run. Yeah, and that also, you know, the fact is their corners are just not elite corners when when you just break down their numbers and look at the grades and watch the film. So, look, if Aaron Rodgers has time to throw the football, he should be able to keep the sticks moving by, you know, taking advantage of this vulnerable uh, Tennessee Titans secondary. To me, uh, we're looking at a high-scoring game. I think both offenses should be able to move the ball with some consistency on Sunday. Yeah, this should be a shootout, at least on paper. I will say, when it comes to their DBs, one of the issues with their cornerback group is that they have lost Breon Borders, who, in my opinion, was their best corner. He's on IR now. So you got a guy... Uh, in the safety room, Kevin Byard, he actually excels against the run. 
but then he's terrible in coverage and he is allowing over a 75% completion percentage when targeted. So Kevin Byard is a guy you're probably going to see Matt LaFleur targeting. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Aaron Rodgers targeting quite a bit in the passing game. Yeah, and and I think that that would be a good thing. Look, two guys who I think can really step up big. I think you you, you think Devontae Adams should bounce back after his, to me, his worst performance of the year overall last Sunday. And then I think Robert Tunyon, who was snubbed for the Pro Bowl, but really does deserve uh, to be there. But I think he should find some success in the middle of this Titans defense. And uh, to me, you know, they should be able to move the ball. They really should get back to the 30 plus points that we've come to expect from this offense. Mm, Robert Tunney revenge game, you say. Mm, I do. I do. I do. (laughs) Yeah, these inside linebackers, one of the issues specifically is that they are very slow to move laterally. So a lot of uh, outside zone runs can be very successful if there's any little bit of misdirection at all. Both of these guys are just so slow to adapt and change directions and and move laterally and, and get over and, and start covering the running back. And I was watching the uh, the Cleveland game because uh, when you look at, at at the scheme and the roster, the Browns and Packers are extremely, extremely similar. And they run very similar plays. These inside linebackers kept running into their own teammates. It was the, it was I felt bad for the Titans. It was kind of embarrassing watching these guys. They just look so incompetent. So this is definitely a weakness. The other thing is that um, their front four can not generate any pressure on the quarterback. They are terrible. This D line, they only have the Titans defense has 14 sacks on the year so far. They're on pace for 17. This is the, uh, what was it, in like the last 10 years, I think, this is the only second only the second time a team is on track to have fewer than 18 sacks on the year. This is terrible. And nearly all of their sacks or even pressures come on blitzes. They cannot generate any pressure without blitzing. So this is really good news for Rodgers, who is much, much better when he's not under pressure. And one of the things that we have seen in the different games that have been blowouts, whether it was Tampa or San Francisco, what are the two factors that you see from those opposing defenses every time that have wrecked Aaron Rodgers and this whole offense? It comes down to getting pressure with your front four and really good inside linebackers. Well, guess what? The Titans have neither of those. So as you said, on paper, this should be a shootout. I'm definitely going to also give the edge to the Packers defense. I think they have better odds of slowing down the Titans than the Titans defense does of slowing down the Packers. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing that has me fearful when I look at this game on paper is that Derrick Henry is such a unique talent. And, I mean, you know what? When the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon, So many people, myself included, were writing, hey, A.J. Dillon was being brought in to be Matt LaFleur's poor man's Derrick Henry, so to speak, to fill that role that he had when he was the offensive coordinator and play caller that one season for the Tennessee Titans. That was in 2018. Uh, If the Packers have any difficulty stopping the run, uh, you know, 
Derrick Henry is very, very tough to bring down. And I'll say this, I'll, I'll take it a step further. Ryan Tannehill is underrated as a quarterback. 31 touchdowns, only five interceptions, a quarterback rating of 110.4, feeds off the play action more than anything, and certainly having the threat of Henry, who's averaging 120 yards a game this year, uh, you know, on the field helps make Tannehill more successful. But I don't think he gets enough credit for the outstanding season that he's having. And don't be surprised if the Packers do crowd the box that Tannehill could make them pay. Absolutely. Here's a comparison that Packers fans should be familiar with. Kirk Cousins. Ryan Tannehill is very similar to Kirk Cousins. He's lethal on play action, but he reverts to Miami Dolphins Ryan Tannehill without play action. So, as you said, it it does come down to the run game. If the Titans are unhindered in the run game and we are panicked about trying to stop Derrick Henry, they are going to eat us alive in the play action game because Corey Davis and uh, AJ Brown, these guys are no slouches, very, very good uh, wide receivers. Our cornerbacks are going to have their work cut out for them this week. No question about it. However, here's some good news. The, Titans offensive line is actually not that good. Um, and bizarrely, they struggle a bit to run block. You would that sounds so counterintuitive. It, this is like one of this is Derrick Henry is the best running back in the league. And yet he is succeeding despite some pretty massive failures on the part of the Titans offensive line. So there are some weaknesses here that the Packers can exploit, especially on the interior, uh, their center, uh, Ben Jones. He's kind of a liability. He, uh, he's had a, uh, left knee injury and he's playing with a brace similar to, uh, Corey Lindsley actually, unfortunately. And one of the things I noticed on film is that every time someone tried to rush on Ben Jones's left, he struggled. He was like an open door. He was fine on his right, but there was just his his knee would get out, give out. He would buckle, and they'd push right past him. So you have some opportunities to take advantage of the Titans there when they are passing. But I, I will say the tape that I watched of the Titans playing uh, several different teams, our outside linebackers, especially whoever's going to be on the left. And unfortunately that is Preston Smith. And then uh, also Rashawn Gary, they're going to have a long day. Titans really like to pick on that left outside linebacker. They like to run some wide uh, outside zone. They also like to do what's called a uh, pin and pull, uh, which is a, a, a power uh, gap run to the outside. And the way you stop that is you got to have a really good left outside linebacker. And I'm, I'm very nervous about Preston Smith over there. Yeah, I would. I was just about to say I, I would rather see Rashawn Gary uh, mm-hmm. get more reps if they're talking about playing the run. I mean, Preston Smith is playing much better the last month at rushing the passer, but his run defense still leaves a lot to be desired so many times. Throughout this season, we have seen him struggle to hold on to his lane, to hold on to the contain on the outside. 
And I mean, the NFC championship game, I have nightmares still thinking about how many times he was caught out of position on wide runs to his side and they just kept running right at him and it kept working. So I would like to see more Rashawn Gary on rundowns at least. Uh, and then maybe you put in Preston Smith on second and eight, third and nine, you know, that kind of a thing. But it's going to be really tough for the Packers to contain Derrick Henry. And the fact that he is succeeding as well as he has, and he still has a chance at a 2,000-yard season if he has a, a couple of big games left in him. Uh, he needs 321 yards in two games. He's averaging 120 yards a game. He needs one outstanding game and one average game to get there. Uh, you know, the fact that he's able to do that with mediocre blocking in front of him, you add that to the way the Packers have struggled to make tackles sometimes, and I'm fearful that, you know, we we could see Derrick Henry have that 150, 200-yard game against the Packers, and and boy, would that be a big blow to this defense's confidence heading into the postseason. Well, here's a note of caution to Packers fans. First of all, I'm just going to tell you flat out, Derrick Henry is going to make the Packers defense look silly because he makes every defense look silly. So try and take it a little bit easy on your criticism of this defense because everybody is everybody looks horrible against them. Also, Preston Smith probably is going to frustrate the heck out of you on Sunday. Just expect it. The, the the Titans, it doesn't matter who they play against, that left outside linebacker just gets abused. The Titans are much, much better running to their right than to their left. Preston Smith is the guy that we have over on that side. It's just going to happen. So not to say he can't have a good day and he can't slow them down. Would love to see that. It's not likely. The other thing. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Now let's change the topics. Well, no, to me, the other thing is this, and and it may very well come down to a typical Mike Pettin strategy. You let Derrick Henry get you, you know, move the ball between the 20s, but hold them to field goals in the red zone. You know, that might be enough to win a 41-38 kind of a game where, you know, you exchange touchdowns for field goals. You could let Derrick Henry get his 200 yards, just keep him out of the end zone, and and maybe just maybe that's enough. but. That strategy only works if the offense returns to form. Well, I think that is key. So the Titans are 32nd in the league, dead last uh, at defending third down. They are opposing offenses are almost automatic on third down. They are also 30th in the red zone. Now you contrast that on the other side of the ball. The Packers offense is ranked third in the league on third down conversions and number one in the red zone. And over the last Uh, Is it three or four weeks? Uh, I think it's four weeks. The Packers have been scoring on 100% of their red zone drives. That's crazy. That's almost unheard of. And for the, for the the majority of the year, they were at about like 78%. So now they have faced, faced some leaky defenses, but come on, it does not get leakier (laughs) than the Titans. So this is an opportunity for us to put up touchdowns, not field goals all day long, that is going to be key. Another big key to winning this game is going to be winning that turnover battle. Absolutely. The Titans have a terrible defense, but the Titans are number one in the league in the turnover differential. If you are losing that tur- turnover battle, you're probably losing the game. So if we're if we're throwing interceptions or fumbling 
and the Titans are having the opportunity to put up points back to back. I, you're, it, the Packers are going to really struggle to come back from that because, as you said, this is likely a game where whoever kicks the most field goals loses. It, it is. And, and you know what else? And I, I hate to say this, but it may become very important. Whoever gets that second half kickoff, if you can, you know, go back to back scores, that may change the complexion of the game right there. It could be, you know, 17, 17 at the half. But, you know, uh, one team scores right before the half, gets the ball in the second half, scores again. And all of a sudden, you know, a deficit becomes a lead and the complexion of the game changes. It, it 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 could come down to something that small because these teams are so evenly matched in a lot of ways. Yeah, the Titans have surpassed the Packers to become the number one scoring offense in the league, and they are a team that is fully capable of rallying back in the second half, which has been a massive weakness of the Packers. So you look at that Cleveland Browns game. The Browns were leading 38-7 to at halftime. Now, they did win that game, but the final score was 43-35. to This is a situation you got to be careful. You can't play around with fire because the Titans are more than capable of burning away any lead that you build up. We did. I did notice a weakness here. The Titans are pretty much automatic on third and short. However, <laughs> third and long, they really, really struggle. If you can keep them from moving the ball much on first and second down, that is your key. If you can keep them in third and long get the opportunity to rush your rush the quarterback you're you're going to start generating some punts here even with as effective and violent as Derrick Henry is if you are winning on first and second down you have a serious serious chance because on third and long they're in massive massive trouble yeah because you can't play action on third and long and right. yep. you know Tannehill much less effective when he has to pass and you know, obviously the third and short makes sense. You send a six foot three, 250 pound running back into the line. <laughs> he's going to get his, his, you know, third and one third and two most of the time, even without the blocking. So yeah, it, it a lot of it is going to, but, but of course you have to slow down to, uh, you have to slow down Derek Henry on first and second down in order to make those third and long situations happen. So, and you know what, I'll say this, it is, this may be the game where the Packers and Mike Pettin miss Raven Green the most because Raven Green would allow Green Bay the flexibility of, you know, having that hybrid safety inside linebacker and taking care of the pass and the run. They're going to have to play a lot more base defense in this game than Mike Pettin is used to. And to me, one of the big challenges is Pettin is going to have to alter his typical game plan because he cannot allow Derrick Henry to beat him. That's, that's the one player they've got to stop. It's not, we'll, we'll concentrate on stopping the pass and let them run because we don't think they can control the game and score enough points running the football. You almost have to flip that logic on its head on Sunday night because running the football is primarily how this offense works. Yeah, there is a direct correlation between when Derrick Henry has a good day and Ryan Tannehill has a good day. Ryan Tannehill, one of the very best quarterbacks in the league over the last two seasons now. But when Derrick Henry has an off day, so does Ryan Tannehill. 
And to your point about trying to slow him down, here's an idea. We just signed, man, three weeks ago now, a guy who has played one snap for us on defense. That would be Anthony Rush. But Anthony what a Rush, snap it was. <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Anthony Rush has about 60 pounds on Kenny Clark, and he's really tall. This is a massive, strong, fat guy. I'd like to put Anthony Rush out there, see if we can get him to uh, eat a double team and let let the uh, backside inside lamb- linebacker go unblocked and fly around and uh, ruin Derrick Henry's run. This is this is a an option that we really could pursue. You know, here's one guy I forgot to mention uh, for the Titans offense. Tight end Michael or Mecole Pruitt. This guy, you probably have never heard of him because John U. Smith is their uh, leading receiving tight end. Pruitt is a monster in the run blocking game. Yep. I, I swear he makes up for half of the uh, deficiencies on their offensive line. This is a guy, if you, man, if if uh, Petten is putting a corner on Pruitt, we're toast. <laughs> I, I've seen so many snaps where Pruitt just bulldozes a small guy. Pancake and says, blocks. Absolutely. And, and immediately rushes up to that second level to start blocking uh, inside linebackers, this this could be a, a serious issue if we're not accounting for him and putting somebody big enough to handle, big enough and physical enough to handle Pruitt. And uh, man, I, he's fun to watch though. Uh, he he's one of those guys. It's kind of like watching George Kittle with San Francisco. Like, okay, he's not on our team and he's plays for a team we don't like, and so uh, you really want to hate George Kittle. But then you watch how good he is and how much fun he's having. And you're like, oh, come on. all right. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about our debate topic this week because the playoffs are upon us. Just a week and a half and we are going to be in the thick of the playoffs. By the way, last week, I just have to crow a little bit. We talked about uh, Bobby Touchdowns Tanyan or Corey Lindsley, who was going to be the uh, Pro Bowl snub who deserved to be there. And by the way, both of them were snubbed. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we had 31 people weigh in on Twitter. This is uh, a nice, nice turnout. We appreciate you guys tuning in and voting. But Bobby Touchdowns Tanyan won. I have finally ended your winning streak of like seven weeks in a row of beating <laughs> me in our debates. Well, congratulations. <laughs> All right, so today, let's talk about what team do you not want to face in the playoffs? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that, that's a good one. And uh, my, my biggest fear for the Packers, you don't want Green Bay going up against a mobile quarterback. Ooh. And they just give us fits. The, the team that, that I may want to avoid in the first round, at least, would be the Arizona Cardinals. Don't necessarily think we would have an easy time stopping Kyler Murray from running, extending plays and, and making some big plays. I think we're a better team than the Cardinals, but I don't like the way the matchup works uh, with the Packer defense struggling against a mobile quarterback like that. That's a really good answer. Fortunately, the way the playoff picture is shaping up right now, the Cardinals would have to beat the saints. And then I think they would also probably have to beat no, I guess just the Saints in order for us to match up with them because they would be the the number seven seed. Right. So I'll tell you, for me, it's Tampa Bay. And I, I know we are the better team, 
But here is what terrifies me, and I think it terrifies a lot of people. Last year, when we played San Francisco in the regular season, and you knew that it was almost a sure bet we were going to face them again in the playoffs, and it was probably going to be the championship game. We knew this four weeks before the championship game. We knew that was probably going to be the case. It was so discouraging to see the Packers come out in that championship game having made zero adjustments. They had the same game plan as last time. It was just, you just sat down and you watched the same game all over again. And so to me, here's my fear. I think we're a much better team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think we beat ourselves in that first game. But similar to the Saints and the Vikings, I think there is every possibility that the Buccaneers could be in our heads in the heads of the players, I, just, I don't want a rematch. I want somebody else to knock them out first because I don't think they're that good of a team, but they had a darn good game plan against us. The Packers have shown a bit of an inability to make adjustments. I'll, t- I'll tell you the other reason I don't want to play Tampa is that we have seen so many years now where Tom Brady just pulls some black magic BS out of his back pocket in the playoffs. <laughs> he just he gets so be- so much better in the playoffs than in the regular season. I, I just... Oh, I, I, I hate the thought of it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the advantage is that any game we play against Tampa Bay would be at Lambeau Field this time as opposed to down in uh, Tampa. But yeah, the, that, that Buccaneer linebacking core and front the front seven essentially gave us fits in that first game. And I would hope that we could avoid them at least in the first round. But you know what? Let's let's put this on the table. There are no easy playoff games out there. Even the Washington football team, assuming they emerge from the NFC least, uh, wouldn't be a gimme. They're probably the team you'd want to play the most, but it wouldn't be a gimme. All right, fans, head on over to Twitter at J-J-L-A-H-E-Y, J.J. Leahy or Gil Packers to vote on this week's poll. We're going to pin the poll to the top of the page, and you can vote who would you least like to play against in the playoffs. Would that be the Buccaneers or the Cardinals? We'd love to hear your opinion. It's always so much fun hearing from our listeners. Hey, give me your your score prediction for this Packers-Titans game. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do something rare. I'm going to pick against the Packers. I think the Titans will run the ball very effectively. Uh, I think it's Tennessee 41, Green Bay 35. I had a hunch you were going to pick against the Packers, but if you recall on this podcast a few weeks ago when we were looking at the Colts and we were predicting the rest of the schedule, I said, I think we will split with the Colts and Titans. Colts beat us. I think we figure out a way to slow down the Titans enough to get ahead. Looking back over the Titans over the last few weeks, they are consistently getting over 30 points and frequently getting up or around 40 points. I think we keep them below 30 points this week. I think the final score is 37-27 Packers. I'd love it. All right, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter, again, at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time. Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not